Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and today I'm excited to showcase two more exciting projects, give you one-on-ones on them. We have Zcoin on the show with Mr. Ruben Yap and Iotex with Mr. Larry Pong. And they're gonna give you one-on-ones on their projects. Before I forget, I wanna say thank you to Jay and Randy for editing these episodes. And before we get into it, remember to go to Crypto101podcast.com, put in your email in the pop-up to be notified when you can receive your free book, Crypto Revolutions, which will be coming out within a month. I'm excited to get that out to everybody. The book is free. You pay for shipping. That's it. And you will have the newest release from Crypto 101. And don't forget to follow our social medias, Instagram, Crypto underscore underscore 101. Our Facebook community, just go into Facebook, search Crypto 101, and we will come up as a group and just join. Don't forget to fill out the information and answer those questions or else we will not let you in. We like to have a spam-free welcoming environment. So fill out those questions so we can let you in to know that you aren't going to spam and you're not going to scam. And remember, please, please, please subscribe, leave us a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to this podcast on whatever app you are, especially iTunes. Subscribing there and leaving us a rating and a comment allows us to stay visible and it gives us a better reach so more and more people can get one-on-ones on these projects, people, and ideas. And just to let you know, we have some discount codes for some upcoming events. We have discount codes in our show notes for Ethereal, Consensus, and DevZilla. If you're going to be in New York or San Diego during those events, buy those tickets with our promo code, save some money, and we'll see you there. And one last thing, don't forget to subscribe to ICO 101 Podcast with Mr. Aaron Paul. He is putting out new content weekly on Mondays to basically tell ICOs how to do it better. He's inviting professionals, experts in branding, communication, marketing, and so on in order to help these companies make it in the crypto space. So subscribe to ICO 101 and look out for Mr. Aaron Paul every Monday. Now, without further ado, here is Zcoin 101. And don't forget, this is not financial advice trading advice, investment advice, and definitely not marriage advice. We'll see you after the show. Ruben Yap, COO of Zcoin. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Thanks so much, Matthew. Glad to be on. Man, I love learning about new projects, people that are working hard in the space and getting to my audience a 101 on what you're doing so they can look at amazing projects and help fuel the future of blockchain and cryptocurrency. But before we get into your project, Zcoin, please tell me a little bit about yourself. So I was actually a corporate lawyer for about 10 years before this. I did a lot of work for the state government. Uh, but I've always been interested in technology, actually. It's kind of funny how I got into cryptocurrencies in general because it actually started from my love of anime and my government was actually censoring the, the download of such stuff. And what happened was then I actually started a VPN service to bypass all of that. And that's actually how I got to know about Bitcoin because people were like, hey, you're a privacy service. Why don't you support, uh, you know, Bitcoin? And of course, everyone didn't know that Bitcoin wasn't anonymous yet, or most people didn't realize that. And that was roughly in like 2012, 2013. So it's been quite a ride. But you said your, your government is censoring. Where, where are you located? I'm, I'm actually located in Malaysia. The censorship was actually reduced with the change of government. But before this, like we couldn't even access medium.com or things like that. Oh, really? Okay. 
I, I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know uh, Malaysia was as censored as say uh say China or other countries. Yeah, it isn't definitely as bad as China, but mm, I would say that you know they crossed the line when they started doing political censorship, and it usually mm-hmm. starts like that, right? Like. They start censoring things like pornography and things like that. Everyone can kind of, kind of get behind that, like you know, if you're right. in a conservative country. But then it starts getting, you know, more and more, like you know, starts talking about let's throttle P to P, let's trot, let's uh, censor, you know, uh, dissenting speech, and it, it's right. always the overreach. <laughs> and that's that's very interesting. I mean, I, I would love to have like a whole episode on just censorship and what you saw in Malaysia and how they, it was like the slippery slope and go down that. But uh, what we really want to talk about today is we want to talk about Zcoin and what is Zcoin, sir? So Zcoin is a cryptocurrency. Um, we'll f- primarily focus on solving privacy on the blockchain because actually on the blockchain every single transaction every single amount is you know permanently and publicly available for everyone so you know cryptocurrencies in general are not private uh you just don't know who's transacting with who but with like the emergence of blockchain analysis and other types of companies that like you know analyze this type of stuff you can actually have a really good idea of how much someone has who is he been trading with where he's been moving his money and even like who he is so zcoin is trying to provide like a privacy layer on top of uh you know cryptocurrencies and we are our own independent blockchain we've kind of been around since 2016 uh, been live since then and yeah <laughs> Right now, so how's how's the ride been going so far? You guys must have seen a, a lot of uh, price action with the bull market in 2017. I would assume. Definitely, I mean, you know, it, it went like nuts. Like I, I got in like really, really early, and it went up like I don't know more than like 200 times, and then like it fell down like 90 percent. Uh, it's been really crazy, and it's been a very uh, humbling experience because. We always operated on the basis that, you know, we had to be prudent with our funds. So luckily during the boom market, we built up our like reserves. So we have, um, you know, money to continue development. But I think we've seen, slowly seeing like maturity of the space. Like you used to be just talking about price action, what goes up, what goes down. But now, you know, people are actually starting to actually say, okay, what's your use case? You know, have you seen adoption? And I think those are the right questions to ask. Yeah. And I'm glad you went down that route because that's exactly where I'm going to go next is what are the use cases? Because, look, there's a lot of privacy coins. There's, you know, Monero and Pivx and Zcash and Sumo and uh, what, what, what Dash has its own privacy functions as well. So you, you see that there's a lot of privacy coins and everybody's trying to do kind of the same thing. Is there a differentiation between your, your project and those other privacy coins? And if there is, one, what is it? And two, how are you going to basically get market share if there are already just a little bit of a market right now? There's not, you know, not many people are using cryptocurrencies and transacting with them. How do you get that market? Well, I think first of all, although a lot, you know, all of us, all of the coins that you mentioned are privacy coins, there aren't that many privacy implementations. For example, Monero uses ring signatures, Dash uses CoinJoin, Mimblewimble uses, uh, well, you know, Green and, and Beam use Mimblewimble, but, and like Zcash uses uh, ZK Snarks, and we actually uh, are the pioneers of zero coin technology. So there's probably only about like five privacy uh proper privacy implementations out there and many of the other coins are just like you know copying the technology right 
And if you talk about, well, how does it differ? Don't they all do the same thing? They each have different types of trade-offs, which I could probably go on for hours on. But maybe just to keep it really simple, uh, stuff like Memberwimber, stuff like uh, Monero, they are kind of CoinJoin. Um, the kind of privacy that they're doing is just trying to hide your transaction in the crowd, uh, which is kind of like, you know, if I want to let out a fart, I grab a bunch of people into the room with me and then let out a fart. And then there's like plausible deniability with the people <laughs> in the room, right? Um, which we think that, you know, there, there's actually studies to show that uh, this doesn't really work well in the long run because um, we this is just like hiding, hiding stuff in the crowd. And when you make repeated transactions, that kind of whole model sort of falls apart because... You then notice uh, common taint trails like, oh, you know, like this fart is, has a particular characteristic that I can tie to all these previous transactions. While stuff like using like zero knowledge proofs, which is used in Zcash and Zcoin, uh, uh, which, although they are different implementations, is kind of like letting out a fart in the room but choosing when in the future that is going to smell. So you just like, you know, it's like, tell <laughs> and therefore that means your anonymity is not, there's no sort of transaction link. I'm not hiding in the crowd. Your anonymity is not just with the people in the room, but with possibly anyone who had ever farted in the room before. So mm -hmm. yeah, I guess that's like a very easy analogy to sort of see how <laughs> uh, this different type of privacy solutions work. I'm always I'm always trying to and I understand the privacy when you're talking about cryptocurrency and blockchain. But right now, nobody can see what I'm spending. I have I have Chase Bank and you can't go into Chase Bank and know what I bought today. You don't know what I bought on Amazon. You don't know what I bought at Whole Foods. Right. Well, you don't. Know, you know, because I just told you I bought stuff at Whole Foods, yeah. but you, you don't know what I'm buying. So why do people need this? What, what is the future of a currency token in general? What is the future? There are a few ways to look at it, right? The way I see it is that Right now, when, when cash is still prevalent and people don't really understand the, the importance of privacy right now, like people just trust the central government, trust the fiat banks. But if you see places like Venezuela, you know, I think that's like a really prime example or Zimbabwe, where the governments have kind of almost kind of collapsed on their own monetary policy, right? And they want to, they want to take their money out, they can't. And then it really becomes clear that for cryptocurrencies or payment tokens, the money that you have in the bank is not actually yours. It's actually a debt from the bank to you. And I think like a really good example of this was in Cyprus where they had like uh, they had like huge financial crisis and the banks, uh, when the government just like forfeited 50% of people's balances just to, to cover the government's debt. And similarly, like, you know, even Venezuela, who had a lot of gold reserves, suddenly, like, the UK didn't want to, to release it. So stuff like, you know, cryptocurrencies or, like, payment tokens, those are kind of like a check and balance to, you know, oppressive governments or, like, you know, when you move into a fully cashless society. I, I have a feeling that we're going to go down a path where there's no privacy in this type of situations because all the bankers that I've talked to got really excited. Oh, you know, we totally eliminate tax evasion. We totally in eliminate money laundering without realizing that, hey, you know, if someone breaks into your database, there's a data breach. All the, the information of your citizens, who's been transacting, with who, not just 
hackers, but you know, maybe other types of state actors. So I do feel there's importance in the technology to have like a truly decentralized currency that's not reliant on a certain body to keep your data private. And at the same time, it's kind of like alternative. Yeah, you know, actually fiat currencies don't really last really long, like 60 years, 70 years or so. So I think it's an interesting sort of alternative type of currency. Whether it would replace, I don't think it will replace. I think it will be sort of side by side. But I do think that people don't realize it now, but I feel that as we move forward, the sort of importance of independent, decentralized types of private cryptocurrencies will come to the fore. I really like what you said. Um, I remember a couple episodes ago, I had Mariano Canti, who is the head of Oracles at MakerDAO. And I and we we're talking about the same thing. And he said, you know, he's from Argentina and South, you know, he's, he's in South America and he knows um, and, he, you know, he's been in the space as well. And I asked him a question. I said, is the United States, is the West, Western world like Europe, uh, the UK, the US, Canada, are we just naive? Because you just said Cyprus, you just said, uh, you know, uh, Venezuela, you, you said Zimbabwe. They've already seen that the government can control your money if they want to because of the systems that we have. Also, we saw a lot of um, lack of transparency in Malaysia recently. I think it's your prime, is it your prime minister yeah. <laughs> that is up on charges for embezzling billions of dollars of money using it in personal, uh, his personal aspects. Just two questions from this. The first one is, do you think that the Western countries are naive to put so much trust into their systems? And the second one is, is your idea of privacy a little bit fueled by what happened in your country recently? Mm, well, whether they're naive or no, because, you know, everyone believes that the US dollar will be here to stay. But I mean, even just take a look at the euro, like, you know, at one point people were talking about, yeah, you know, the euro is going to replace the US dollar. And we realized that, look, just a couple of years in, the euro is looking pretty damn fragile, you know? And, <laughs> like, the I, I'm, I mean, this is more of a point of view, but, you know, whether fractional reserve banking is the way to go, uh, and now there's, there's even this new movement about, um, I forgot the exact term for it, but I think there's a, a bunch of politicians in the US that are talking about a new economic model where the government doesn't have to care about debt, because the government can always print as much money as it needs to meet the debt, and they say that that's okay. So to think that you know US dollars and euros or whatever will be forever here to stay, I think would be a bit naive. But it's understandable because I mean, you know, you can use US dollars, you can use euros in the real life, and that's kind of what gives it its credibility. But if you look at the sort of the underlying mechanics and how things have been moving. I think there's really real reason to be concerned. I mean, who knows? Five years from now, uh, US dollars or, or euros may, may not be as sought for off as uh, you know as now. And uh, what was the second question again? My, my, yeah, my second my second question was uh, was your I, your views on privacy. I mean, like your your um, it, it is a prime minister, correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Your prime minister has been in the news re recently because charges and in, in um in charges in the trial of his misuse of billions of dollars for personal use, um, government money, the citizens' money, mm -hmm. uh, Malaysia's money, um, is in the news recently. And that is a, a very um, breach of trust of a government official, and especially the leader of a country. Mm -hmm. Is a lot of your um, ideology and your passion behind this coin based off of what you saw happen in your government? Actually, it was more about 
it was actually quite personal because when I started the VPN business, I mean, first of all, it was just, you know, to, to overcome, you know, uh, to, to download my anime. And that was like pretty really low, low bar. But as a VPN provider, I don't see that I'm doing anything wrong. I'm just providing a service. I'm encrypting traffic, right? And because of that, I had a lot of my payment options cut off. Like suddenly, I think about, like six months into my business, they caught off my ability to accept credit cards and f- saying that we're a high-risk company. And, you know, this company I've operated since 2007 and it's still operating today. And I still cannot get credit card acceptance in my own country. And <clears throat> what I actually had to do is I had to turn to PayPal. And even PayPal went through, you know, froze my account several times because... They were worried whether we were high risk or not. Uh, we had an interview and gave all this information. And I'm like, hey, I'm not doing anything wrong. I mean, I think just a couple of, like, maybe one decade ago, encryption was, you know, deemed to be a munitions. Like, you know, there was, like, certain restrictions that, that you couldn't export military grade or good encryption. You had to uh, have backdoors into your encryption. And now, encryption is everywhere, right? But... You know, back then it was seen as as something bad. But similarly, you know, VPNs is is really, really widespread use now. But I had everything cut away from me. I couldn't even deal. I couldn't even accept money, even though I was doing a legitimate business. And I just felt like, well, first of all, you know, I don't want uh, people to be snooping on on what I do with the internet, not because of anything to hide. But like, for example, with the Malaysian government, there was actually one point where... Anyone who subscribed to the the largest ISP provider got a router with a backdoor inside because they shared a common login across all the routers. So that means like a, um, an ISP admin could always log into your router and that was not disclosed to people. And then now like, you know, there's this other group called the hacking team, which was also engaged by the the, the Malaysian government to spy on its own citizens. And recently, I think, you know, uh, you heard about the scandal with Coinbase, right, where they 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 hired this uh, company called Neutrino right. uh, with right. a bunch of these hacking team people. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that it's inspired that not just one in Malaysia, but, you know, it's really personal to me because, you know, I was kind of like a target of it. I, I actually I could probably could talk about this forever because I think it's such an interesting topic because it's current events. It, t- it talks all a lot about, you know, the personal privacy um, as well as government transparency, which, you know, if, if we're advocating for privacy coins or privacy uh, systems of transactions and finance, it just enables and gives a, a better tool for people like, you know, the Malaysian prime minister to move the money around a lot easier mm. uh, and you, you same with the u.s government or any other government i'm just not trying to pick on malaysia it's just that it's in the news right now but any anybody with a lot of money to move around and and, and hide it from people do you do you think that do you think that z coin or any other privacy coin can be and will be used for these illegal practices or laundering or embezzling or or misuse of public funds because the tool is there i think that's a really interesting point and it's often the point that people like especially governments or regulators use to fear monger against privacy coins well if you take a look yeah but i'm, I'm yeah, yeah. yeah i'm not i'm not worried about the people i'm worried about the government <laughs> yeah yeah um but what what i'm saying is that to, you you can do this already with fiat you know you can do this already with cash and i'm pretty sure that you know especially in malaysia like 
most of the really really large scanners they have like stacks and stacks of cash like when our former prime minister's house was raided it was like you know millions of dollars and not just in not just in cash but in paintings uh, in in jewelry there's so many ways to move money around you know and what i'm saying is that yeah you know privacy coins why why i feel that you know it's not so much a problem is that first of all I believe that regulation is actually important so that if you regulate the fiat gateways, that means that the conversion from cryptocurrencies to uh, to, to like um, fiat money, like ringgit or, or, or US dollars, you will get some sort of control there and, you know, prevent money laundering and all this type of stuff. But, you know, when you start banning it or like, you know, if you say governments will be using it to move money around, I, I really don't see that as a problem at the moment. Uh, of course, maybe in the future where liquidity is really, really high, maybe that will be a different problem. But the thing is that it's just as good as cash, right? Cash has those properties. It's just a bit harder to move. Cryptocurrencies, right. I guess, you know, will be moved. But at this current rate of liquidity, you know, we wouldn't be able to move like the, the same amounts of like, what, 4.2 billion ringgit worth of money using <laughs> cryptocurrencies or not even not even in bitcoin you know so right, i think we're right. we're a bit far off from that and i always think that you know you can say oh we should not build privacy cryptocurrencies because you can be misused remember like well you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, why do we have fiat then? Why do we have cash? <laughs> I, you know, I think it's more of like there's a tool there to be used. There, there needs to be some sort of privacy uh, guarantees just for everyone. Like, should we make private con? You know, there should be private contracts. There should be private uh, business deals. I think it's kind of like privacy is a 
good thing in itself, but how you use it, yeah, you know, that's up to you, right? I would see it as a tool rather than placing any sort of blame on privacy in itself. I remember that your prime, prime minister had a couple of Picassos they, they seized um, over there. Uh, but, you know, there's a, uh, I, I lived in China for, <laughs> for 13 years. And one of the ways to get money out of China, getting out of money out of China was very, very, mm-hmm. very difficult, you know, in large amounts. Was was this violin scam or or scheme? Have you ever heard about this one? Where because if there's a money in China and the Chinese uh, national was living in the U.S., how does how do you send big amounts of money over? Yeah. So what they would do is they had this system where they would buy rare goods like like paintings or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was this guy that had rare violins that were worth millions. You know, so he'll pay them for the rare violin. The violin with, and the millions would go over, yep. you know, and so they transact the money just by having this violin move from country to country because it's not cash, but it's still worth millions. And they'll would, they would do the transaction like that. Super, super interesting. Yeah, uh, so the way, we paid digs. Right, exactly. I, exactly. I, exactly. <laughs> so I think there's all kinds of good cases and a lot of good questions to come out with everything around mm-hmm. cryptocurrency. All I think I love to just hear is, is people trying to figure this out. People trying to discuss politics, governance, philosophies, ethics, and technology all together to figure out what is the best way for the future. Because I honestly believe that everybody is doing this for a better future, not to destroy the world. So I, I, I commend everybody that's working hard in this space. What, sir, would you like to leave on and tell everybody about Zcoin and where can they find you? One thing that I just would like to add, because we're always talking about privacy, it's more about financial privacy or those types of things. But one of the really interesting use cases of privacy is what we actually did, which was voting, anonymous, verifiable voting. And that's really potentially powerful. Like recently, um, you know, Zcoin was the first sort of, um, we, we held the first large scale political election on the blockchain in Thailand, where uh, the Thai Democrat Party actually elected their party leader using Zcoin's blockchain. And I do think that privacy privacy technologies are really important because, yeah, you want to be able to verify on the blockchain, but you don't want to tell people who you voted for be able to do that sort of things. So it's just like the potential of the technology. But coming back to your question, I think, you know, the main takeaway is that you know privacy shouldn't be taken for granted, and we we surrender a lot of personal data to organizations without thinking where it will end up. We post pictures, you know, tag locations, and there's a lot of cases where even people use this information to stalk people or date people and pretend to have a lot in common, glean from this information that you post. And this doesn't even count the countless data breaches. I mean, you know, just just like yesterday, the hundreds of millions of Facebook user records were exposed and. This again? Shouldn't... Yeah, again. And, and... <laughs> I, I missed that one. I, where was I in the news? Okay. <laughs> but, you know, I think the idea is that privacy is not p- just for people to hide things, but to have control over what you choose to reveal to the world. And people need to think about privacy, not just on the blockchain, not just on, on cryptocurrencies, but think of it as a bigger problem that, yeah, this is not like a taboo thing that I have nothing to hide or things like that. It's about choosing what you want to reveal to the world. And I think that's a basic human right. To find out more about us, we're at zcoin.io. We have a bunch of you know Telegram channels, Discord, and everything, and we're a pretty open community. Awesome, Ruben Yap, COO of Zcoin. Thank you for coming on Crypto One One, sir. Thank you. Hey there, everyone. My name is Justin Fortier. I'm the head of product here at XYO Network, and we're excited to come here and talk to you about Devzilla. 
What is DevZilla? It's an intimate opportunity to work closely with some of the uh, brightest minds and coolest people in blockchain and IoT. You're going to be able to come out here and go to workshops, attend some pretty cool one-on-ones with our developers to work on your SDKs, your APIs, your smart contracts, and really get to know how our network operates and works. We're going to be out here in beautiful sunny San Diego from June 5th through June 7th. We're going to have some amazing speakers. We've got the world-famous Nick Zabo. He's the father of the smart contract. We're also going to have our very own Ari Tro, who's pioneering dataism and dataistic networks. He's paving the way for the data revolution. We also have Medea Parlakar. She's the CEO of Casper Labs, one of the brightest and most creative projects going on out there. We'll see you in sunny San Diego. Be sure to use promo code CRYPTO101. Check it out below in the show notes. Excited to see everyone there. Be sure to grab a cocktail and come say hi to me and let's build. Larry Payne, head of BD of IOTEX. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Thanks, Matthew. Great to be here. Awesome, dude. Good talking to you. Good talking to you over the past couple of weeks. We're just going to get straight into this. Real quick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Larry, uh, head of business development at IOTEX. I come from a management consulting background. I worked in kind of the financial and enterprise space for five years before joining IOTEX. And now at IOTEX, I just work with our global group of partners. Uh, We're just about to launch our mainnet with over 50 delegates and global launch partners. So really coordinating with those guys on a day-to-day basis and helping them, you know, ideate on different blockchain use cases and just get them up to speed with what IOTEX is bringing to the industry. That's awesome, dude. So tell us what IOTEX is bringing to the industry. Absolutely. So IOTEX is the privacy-centric blockchain platform for the Internet of Things. Uh, you know, the Internet of Things is uh, kind of the technology. Every device that can be connected to the Internet will be connected to the Internet. Right now there's around 10 to 15 billion IoT devices out there. But just in the next few years, you know, that's going to jump to over 100 billion devices. You know, get your head around that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not only the number of devices that are increasing, but also the types of data and the value of data that these IoT devices are generating is growing exponentially year by year. Right. So, you know, we are using blockchain and data privacy as well as IoT to kind of form our vision of what the, uh, the future looks like. And it's one that, you know, the data can be collected simply from IoT devices. It can be shared and stored privately or shared publicly to the entire ethos. Uh, So we really want to create that flexibility for DF developers uh, to not only create blockchain applications, but also integrate IoT and add data privacy as well. So we're going to have IoT, Internet of Things, across all kinds of devices in the future. It's happening now. Smart homes, refrigerators, you know, talking to Amazon, you know, telling what's in the fridge, what you might need to order, things like that. Um, Your your car, you know, driverless automation. There's going to be so much information flowing around on the Internet of people interacting with their devices, their things, their everyday objects. Why do you need a privacy blockchain for that? The companies are going to take care of that. What's the use case? And well, yeah, just give us the practical why should we should care? Yeah, absolutely. You know, privacy in our definition is not about, you know, sending transactions or money privately, right? It's more about how do you protect the assets of a user and of a company, but also allow them to use it. And that's really big for us, right? Like today, we don't really have control of our data. Privacy is just starting to become a big thing. And, you know, these days, you know, privacy almost has a negative connotation to it in some ways. So, you know, what we're really providing on our blockchain is more of a trusted computing platform. At the end of the day, it does protect your underlying data, gives you that privacy. But we're trying to enable trust, not really the negative connotation of privacy, uh, especially from the regulation side. Right. 
And you know, that's that's really important for how we envision the future. If we're really going to transition towards a peer-to-peer economy, people say that data is the new gold. And if that's true, then privacy is going to play a huge part in you know securing that gold, right? You would never send gold through an Uber. You would use an armored car. You know, that's just a one example of, you know, what our philosophy is around data privacy. I think you bring up a really good point there. Privacy is the word of the day. Not only is everybody talking about privacy because of Facebook and data breaches and so on and so forth. And it's also a negative connotation, as you said, because of money laundering and maybe uh, funding terrorism and, and what have you. So you have a very good point there. But I don't think you mentioned what actually IOTEX does in terms of why we should care. Yes, okay, fine, privacy, yes, our data. But what does that mean for the average consumer? What does that mean for the person that's going out by buying the fridge, buying the coffee maker, buying the Tesla, and how that all connects and what you guys are doing? Right. Just to take a step back, right? IOTEX is a nonprofit foundation. Everything is completely open source. And we're here to provide infrastructure and tools to developers to basically lower the barrier to entry for them to create brand new types of applications. You can kind of call us a B to B to C company, right? Most of the applications that our developers and our companies that are building on IOTEX uh, will be consumer facing or, you know, will be facing other types of businesses. In that, in that realm, right, where our role is, is really becoming, uh, you know, how do we not just create a scalable and robust blockchain platform, but also how do we add the features and the tools that really make it easier for people to create these types of applications? And, you know, right now, um, you know, privacy is not just something that we've thought up in the past few months, right? Like IOTEX has been being built for just about two years now, and we've had privacy by design really from day one. Again, we really envision what the future of IoT looks like. And without privacy, these types of IoT devices are kind of the gateways between our physical and digital worlds. And if we're not able to kind of privatize, um, you know, jumping from that digital world back into that physical world and, you know, owning all of our data, then, you know, right now consumers are just starting to care about this stuff, right? You mentioned the Apples, the Facebooks that are going on these large privacy campaigns, but privacy has to be decentralized, right? At the end of the day, I'm more of a purist from that standpoint. So Mm -hmm. we really feel like privacy has to, number one, be by design. And number two, has to, you know, cover all the bases. So IOTEX is the platform. It's a blockchain. So people can build dApps on top of it. And it's going to be privacy centric, as you said. But why does companies care? When I think of IoT, when I think of my data being connected to all these machines in the future, I think of buying a coffee maker from Black & Decker. Black & Decker's coffee maker is looking at how much coffee I drink. Do I drink uh, dark roast or espresso beans or, you know, whatever kind of blend I'm and how much coffee I drink a day. Why would they put their business on a decentralized application or platform uh, for privacy when they, all they have to do is just stream it onto your Wi-Fi without you even knowing, or even with you knowing, and because it's not a big deal, it's only coffee. It seems like it would take away from their business. How do you manage to engage these other companies to think that this is the future? This is a good idea, even though they already have working business models. Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, I think just to take the coffee example, I don't think that's the best use case for blockchain, right? We don't necessarily recommend all data from the IoT is put on the blockchain, but just the ones that, you know, you can't skimper on trust, right? If you need this piece of data to be 100% guaranteed, then it's a great candidate to be put on the blockchain and a great candidate to be privatized. And, you know, just two examples of this that we think about quite a lot is in the insurance sector, right? Talking about cars, talking about houses, all of these things are kind of being digitized, right? A car right now has over 25 electrical control units. 
They're constantly grabbing data. And if you want to use that data eventually to, you know, file a claim or prove that you uh, aren't the purveyor of an accident, that is a piece of data that you need to be 100% trusted, which is what, you know, blockchain can provide as kind of this source of trust across otherwise untrusted parties. But you also want to share that data privately. And, you know, another type of data is health data, right? And even within the health data sphere, there's certain data that doesn't necessarily need to be 100% accurate, right? If you're talking about the data that's coming from your Apple Watch and it's used to, you know, track your heart rate and your personal health, you know, those things are all summarized to a point and abstracted to a point where you kind of lose the richness of that data. But in an environment where that richness of data is literally the thing you're trying to extract, talking about like clinical trials and things where real uh, money and real impact is on the line, you know, those are the use cases that really IoT and blockchain and also data privacy kind of come together. We think about IoT as the technology that generates the data. And we think about privacy-enabled blockchain as the one that you're able to add trust to the data. And that's really kind of our MO here. What I gather from this is you guys have a niche. You will not be for everything. You won't be for the coffee maker or for my refrigerator or my blow dryer or whatever I use. But you do have a niche of what you think should be private. So you're going to be looking at those sectors. Is that correct? Right. And, you know, I think it's it's less about what we think should be private. It's more about what our developers and community and users think should be private. And even though we are privacy by design, these are just tools that you can kind of turn on or off in a blockchain transaction to break it down, right? You have a sender, you have a receiver, and a value. And using our privacy technology, you can kind of encrypt some or all of those components, right? And depending on your use case, uh, you know, sometimes the sender of information, you know, need, you need to hide that. But the receivers of that information is generally fine. You know, they're not going to get in trouble for having the information. It's just kind of the one that has generated it. Um, so these are all just kind of tools configurable. You know, if someone were to try to create an IoT application for coffee makers, maybe it's a kind of a smart home concept where you have preferences defined on the blockchain that follow you to different areas or different rooms or uh, parts of your house when it knows that, you know, it's before 8 a.m. and you're in this part of the house, start the coffee machine. You know, that's kind of an automation use case using our blockchain. But, you know, what we're giving people is flexibility. If they need the privacy, then they have it right off the bat. They don't need to go searching for it in another network. You know, we're really trying to be all inclusive so that uh, in the future, we're really designing our vision of the future. You know, a lot of things are going to be connected in the future, even if it is a niche market for insurance or uh, traffic claims or accidents or health records on the blockchain or what have you, that's still a lot of data. Blockchain is notoriously slow. Nothing can move as fast as we need it right now in the blockchain world. What is your solution for that with your blockchain? Is there a second layer, a third layer protocol that you're kind of working with that? Or do you have a scalability solution for IOTEX? Yeah, so we think about scalability in a lot of ways, but this is also a good time to mention not only advancements in blockchain technology. I think, you know, uh, the listeners here are all familiar with you know, different ways people are adding scalability at both layer one and at layer two. Uh, we think about it in two ways. With choice of our consensus mechanism, we have a variant of delegated proof of stake that we've actually improved to be more decentralized by adding this randomization layer. It's called RollDepost, and it's going to be launched in our mainnet just in a couple weeks. And the second piece of it is our architecture. We have kind of this concept of a subchains architecture where each of the subchains can be tailor fit to a specific use case and ultimately, you know, run maybe a couple thousand TPS each. And if you need to have a use case that requires more TPS, you can just have these subchains communicate with each other via cross-chain communication in our network. 
And, you know, I think just going back to the IoT specific example, you mentioned there's lots of data and that's undoubtedly true, right? By 2025, there's a statistic that half of the world's uh, data will be generated from household IoT devices. That's a lot of data. We're talking zettabytes, right? A zettabyte is one trillion gigabytes of data. So you're talking about a crazy amount of data. But that doesn't necessarily mean all this data is going to make it to the blockchain, just as it does not make it all the way to the cloud today. You know, in the IoT world, there's a lot of local processing going on, even at the sensor level, right? These very resource and battery constrained devices, they're processing this data, simple data validations and passing filtered data to a more powerful gateway that's then doing some more comprehensive filtering and analysis. And then finally, those perspectives are sent currently to the cloud for AI and more heavy computations. But in the future, right, it's really up to the application designer to decide what is the actual perspectives that I need from this data, and I'm going to store the result on the blockchain. I think all the events leading up to it can be kind of appended to that data to add the full traceability all the way from blockchain all the way back to the originating device, which is very important for a lot of our use cases, right? You need to trust the data that's being put on the blockchain before you can use it. And, you know, we have several innovations just all the way across that flow from data collection to data transfer to data storage to data usage in dApps on the IOTEX blockchain. Right on, man. You said we have subchain and you use the term we have. What stage mm-hmm. in development is this? Is it live? Is it working? Or is this like we will have? Yeah, so this is just maybe it makes sense to just run down what we're going to be launching on our mainnet just in a couple of weeks. So IOTEX is a network of blockchains, right? We have a multi-layer architecture, um, and that's just really to separate out duties. We use this kind of blockchains and blockchain architecture. The first root chain, the first chain that we're launching is our root chain. It's kind of our orchestration layer. It's the one that's going to be managing and recording the states of all the different subchains and allowing them to talk to each other via cross-chain communication. Um, the root chain is going to be launched in this upcoming mainnet release, along with RollDepost, which is our in-house consensus mechanism. The other layers that we're really working on is uh, one layer is called the gravity chain. It's kind of the governance layer. It does a lot of these governance tasks like staking and voting, slashing, community votes, protocol upgrades, and things like that. Currently, that's still in development and it's going to be launched in uh, Q3 of 2019. And then finally, uh, multiple subchains are going to be launched throughout the year this year. The first one that we're really excited about that's launching in a couple months is called AvoChain. It's going to be focused on trusted computing and privacy. So this is kind of why we say, you know, we're delivering privacy into the hands of developers and to users. People are going to be able to use this subchain right out of the box and start running, you know, private computations, uh, trusted transfers of data. And it's really going to change the way a lot of people think about privacy. You know, I think a lot of other uh, platforms are working on different approaches to privacy, but our specific one actually uses IoT hardware, this concept of trusted execution environments combined with a concept called secure multi-party computation. And that's really what provides the engine for our privacy subchain. Before we get off, I want to say thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101 and giving us an IOTEX 101. It's a company that fell off my radar and I'm very happy to have talked to you for the past couple of weeks and got to know the project a little bit. And I hope that listeners got something out of this conversation. But before we go, I want to ask you, where can people learn more about IOTEX, you or your roadmap for your mainnet launch? Yeah, I would suggest everyone to please go to iotex.io. Uh, as Matthew just mentioned, again, you know, we're launching our mainnet in a couple of weeks. It's a really big milestone for us. You know, we've been working super hard for the past two years, kind of heads down. 
Um, and now it's time to really transform the world with our product. Uh, you know, we're working a lot with enterprises on developing different types of use cases and different types of features and tools. We'll be launching on IOTEX throughout 2019. So definitely keep an eye out and check us out on our Telegram groups and our social media channels. And just stay tuned with IOTEX. You know, there's big things coming for this project. Awesome, dude. Hey, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101, sir. Thanks so much, Matthew. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. My goal is to get through as many 101s on different projects in the space. We're heading down the top 200 coins and even more to interesting, innovative, and creative projects using blockchain tech. I'm excited to showcase all of these on Crypto 101. In our next episode, we have more 101s. I really am enjoying talking to as many people as possible to see what's going on prepping everybody for a bull run. I know there's going to be new people coming into the space. I know there's people going to want to buy some new coins. I know that people want to look out for new projects and support new companies. So I think this is the best way to do it is just to talk to the people and get as much information as possible out there about what is in the space and what is being created. So I hope you're enjoying. If not, please send me an email. Reach out at Crypto101Podcast.com. If you are enjoying, again, send an email. Reach out at Crypto101Podcast.com. And if you have any ideas, comments, suggestions, again, reach out at Crypto101Podcast.com. We'll see you in future episodes of Crypto 101. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.